And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. And welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, but it's Thursday. Seth and Mo are still here. What's up, guys? Seth Part now, Mo to kill. We're a day early. What's up, guys? Happy Weird. New Year. This is what Wednesday looks like. <laughs> yeah, I normally am hibernating <laughs> uh, until the games come on at night. Uh, Happy New Year, guys. Did you guys do anything fun for the New Year's holiday? Go out? Probably not. Uh, we ended up going to a friend's house for a little get-together. Then all of a sudden, a bunch of neighbors came over, and they all had kids. So it got a little crazy. And my kids stayed up till past midnight for the first time, and I think they're still, like, uh, basically serial killers still on Wednesday from having stayed up till 1230 on Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, I went to a friend's house. Nothing special. Just a little get-together. Nothing mm-hmm. uh, Nothing crazy. I'm too yeah, old for anything wild. I, that's it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm too old. And, uh, you know, I, those kind of party nights, look, man, that's only only bad stuff happens if you're out. Uh, yeah, so hung out with my with my little Long Beach crew. We had a good time. Guys, uh, figured we'd start the new year off right with a little mailbag. We haven't done one in a while. So uh, let's see where people's minds are going as the season progresses we're right around the halfway point of the season um you know roughly 38 or so games into the season and nobody's really separated themselves yet we've got eight legitimate mvp candidates i can't tell you who the best team in the east or west is um that's actually kind of a cool place to be Uh, in addition to that you know we have stuff like donovan mitchell scoring 71 points uh, a little over a week after Luca scored 60 points. So, you know, everything's very cool right now. We're in the cool zone of NBA. I have my question. This is my mailbag question oh, now, Dave and All Seth, right. for you guys. Will somebody outscore and hit go beyond Donovan Mitchell's 71 points this season? Will we have something even higher than 71? Or is that the, the going to be the threshold? Okay. Can, can, let me, can I ask for clarification? Do you mean organically, like Donovan Mitchell? Because I, I don't, you know, if you guys watched it, that's 71 points with 11 assists. 71. That was yeah. legit, man. He, that was one of the best. 11 assists, too. And there was no the garbage floor. time. There's no garbage time padding in there. None. That was pretty impressive. So I'm I'm going to say doesn't matter. Okay, doesn't matter. Because hitting above 70 anyways is tough as hell. Even in garbage time, it's still tough as hell. I mean, I... I can I tell you guys I'm kind of rooting for LeBron to have like a 75 point game this season? Um, I I think that that would be a great way to pass Kareem. We'll, we'll just do it in a 75 point game. Yeah, they'll have to do it against. I don't know. There's no uh, Houston. 
San Antonio, something like that. Um, but I, I don't know, man. 70, 71 points is a lot of freaking points. I don't think I mean, anybody's going to top it. Is there anyone who is going to get up the volume of threes and also get to the line 20 sometimes? The guy who's hurt right now is I, I, probably Devin Booker. Could have yeah. done something like that, getting a lot of threes up. I yeah, think I mean, Steph could get up a lot of threes whenever he comes back. I think, I mean, Clay shot the piss out of the ball. Yeah. But Clay's not getting his, the line. Clay's not getting the line 20 times in a game. No, he's not. But, like, you know, there's there's guys that can do both, yeah. though. Like, I mean, it's not, it's Luca, not out of their own Luca possibility. Is the, like Luca having, like, a 10 of 13 from three kind of night. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I'm just saying it will not shock me if we have somebody else break through the 71 point mark well, this it feels like it feels like 60 is like the new 50 right like we're 50 point games are just happening like crazy and the you're 60 just trying point to game. erase you're, you're trying to downplay Giannis. you know just like his, you know, everyone's his mere no, 55 points. yeah his mere 55 yeah just erase um, him from the nbp conversation all right let's get to some of these questions um from friend of the show john lichtenstein What's the next evolution of NBA player or NBA basketball, excuse me, and how will that impact the value of certain archetypes of players? Now, this this is a we pretty much get asked a, a question about the evolution of the game every time we do a mailbag because we we're a forward thinking show and we think a lot about the mechanics on the court. But I'm really curious here because he follows up with an example uh, on the increased emphasis uh, on offensive rebounding and how that's made some guys, maybe lesser athletes, slower guys, more specialists, let's say, a, a little bit more valuable in the playoffs than, than they were previously. Um, but do you guys, you know, what do you guys see as the next evolution of the game? And then how do you see, uh, let's say, player roles adapting to, to kind of go along with that evolution? I think the next evolution of the game or where it's got to come from, obviously, I, first off, if I knew what the next evolution of the game is, I wouldn't tell any of you guys I'd go pocket some money somewhere, but yeah, we'd be I, doing a Ted talk. Huh? Yeah. yeah no, not talk. even that. I would be calling each team going, I have the secret plans. Come talk to me. Um, and then a Brinks truck. Would they would wait, but they would multiple. wait till three years after the Warriors did it. Yeah. Um, because there's so many light years ahead. Uh, but I think that the place where we got to start looking for the next evolution is going to be on the defensive end. Like we started the podcast talking about all the scoring. I think offense has not just caught up, but like past defense. And, you know, I think when you look at defense and, you know, the, the most recent uh, evolution or, or, or revolution I could think of defensively is, you know, Tibbs with the pre-rotating with the Celtics. And that was kind of like, wow, teams are going to start doing that. They brought in zones and stuff, but that we're seeing more zones now, but that still hasn't taken. I think we just need defenses now. It's, it's their turn to try to catch up and figuring out how to stop guys. Because at this point, we know every rotation. Like, I know the rotations, you know, without, you know, what most teams are trying to do and things like that. It's I think we're going to, defenses have to start getting clever. And I think that's where the next evolution on the court's going to kind of begin. I think rebounding, you could make an argument that defensive rebounding, there, there isn't as much of a, um, you know, I think you're getting more guys crashing, crashing the glass on both ends. And maybe that's a slight evolution in defense. Um, but uh, I'm no, with you, I, Mo. I just I, don't, no, think I don't think there's think been a lot it. of change. I don't think that's it. I think that that we're still, even 
you know, we we were talking a little before the show about kind of the the you know switch everything isn't a new thing, but it is a fashionable thing. But I'm not sure it's been taken completely to its logical conclusion. In that, okay, you switch, and then you still have guys like you know sinking to the nail. And I think that a lot of there's still a lot of teams that there are maybe not huge advantages, but re- relatively easy advantages from a simple ball reversal. Like think of the amount of times you see, uh, uh you know, a, a pass across the top and and a guy just kind of straight line drives on a 45 because the defender is closing out to him is kind of closing out to his inside side, and that's you know because of that helping to the strong side a little bit. You're already in a recovery situation, and you know there was a little bit of time. I think teams have gotten a little smarter about when they react to penetration and not like overhelping on a you know. The, the example that I think we always use is like Ricky Rubio driving to the nail, going parallel to the basket with his left hand. You don't need to help on that. And teams have gotten kind of better at recognizing that, but they still kind of, there's almost these like automatics that put you in a, you know, you press the button, you get the prize. And the prize is kind of a, a crease that you can drive off the catch. How, how much of this is about the prevalence of the skip pass? Because the skip pass didn't used to be, I mean... Now it's almost every possession. You get that that full cross court pass. Guys are able to make passes and reads that just that wasn't in the everyday player's tool toolbox before, right? Yeah, but I think again, part of that is because they know where the rotations are. They know when they catch it, this guy on the weak side's got to come up to the the above the break three. Whoever was doubling, whatever, just assuming it's from the post. Whoever was doubling from the post has to get to the corner, and it's like, well, that's where the open pass is, and. You know, it takes a, a a heroic defensive moment where it's like the guy who is rotating up go, recognizes it and, and makes the stop. I just think, what I just think is defenses have gotten too predictable. Yeah, and well, it's I become tic-tac-toe. Like, yeah, and it's just become, and now they're just playing a game of chase and let's hope we can get enough of a contest, enough of, you know, this, and then end it with the rebound the way you were saying, Dave. I just think, like, the creativity in in defenses has, has kind of faltered. You know, I know. Nick Nurse kind of opened the door a little bit, but even he hasn't fully kind of dove in. But I think like there's a lot of different things you can do. I think, you know, we still don't see a lot of pressing. I'm not saying press all game, but just selective moments of one to press. You're not seeing a lot of different variations of things. Everybody's running the same stuff. And now offenses and these players, give them credit, have all gotten so damn smart. They know where these guys are coming from. And I think this is this is maybe an under appreciation of okay what was one of the natural reactions to like all the switching is having more guys who can make plays with the ball in their hands on the floor and you have that so now you have the situation where in addition to individual players you know opening up their 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 passing and read tool set you just have more kind of offensive tilted players on the floor and and so you know maybe that means you have fewer defensive tilted players so um i think we've you know at times across the last couple of years have bemoaned certain teams and players kind of abject failure at point of attack defense. And I think that, you know, maybe just, you know, um, I don't, I don't know what the balance is because you still need the guys who can dribble pass and shoot. And now you're asking for guys who can dribble pass and shoot and stay in front of the ball. And you run out of guys who can do that. Yeah. It's called the basketball player. <laughs> like this is, I mean, this is, uh, we've, yeah. we've allowed the, the, one-sided player to become too much of a oh wow guy plays on both ends it's amazing no that's what you're supposed to do 
You know, and I think that's, you know, like we, I get what you're saying, Seth, but like also like, hey, this is, this is part of it. And I think we let too many players, and I mean this from as early as a high school level, just skate with not being good defensively. And I think that's part of the, the problem, you know, like kudos to Jason Tatum. He's playing on both ends of the court and balling. And I think he's kind of becoming that guy. I think, you know, this is a, uh, um, uh, a failing on our end in basketball is just, we we've allowed it to become too much one-sided and now it's like, okay, well now we got to decide, do we want offense or defense? Like it used to be the case of like, you had four basketball players and one guy that was a specialist. Now we have four specialists and one guy that might be a basketball player. I don't know if it's I, that I out of way. I don't think now. I agree with that. I think you had I think you had you had more guys who were who were kind of, you know, you know, in, in hockey they'd be guys who were playing on the checking line. You know, you had the the guy who was gonna take two shots a game. Like PJ Tucker is such a such an outlier now because there's nobody else who is who is like, yeah, all he does is guard and stand in the corner. And, you know, Everyone Matisse else, Seibel would like a word if you could ever okay, get on okay, the court. Fair, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean he does. Uh, but even stand even even he can do he, even he can do some stuff with the the like. But it's it's the question of like, would you rather have like Kevin Herter or Tory Craig on the floor? That's not a hard, that's not a hard decision to make. Yeah. And the sum total of everyone making that same decision is you got a bunch of guys who are better at offense than defense on the well, floor. Most of the time, I think that to correctly answer the question, the next evolution is five guys on the court that can dribble and make decisions and the defense struggling to keep up because they don't teach it. Although as I think a guy that's where we are now. Coached, yeah. As a guy who's coached the amoeba, I think that there is something there. If teams started uh, doing a little bit of amoeba work. All right. Next question. We went long on that one. That was good. Um, from at nerd runner on Twitter. Big wings and forwards who have later breakouts. Thinking Markinen, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Chris Middleton. Is there something there that when you're looking at these wing players that you're that you're trying to see a later breakout? Is there something that you guys look for? Do you guys have any candidates that maybe buy low guys where you know you can go out and get maybe a, a Rui Hachimura, a Patrick Williams, someone like that? Um, so what do you guys look for in wings that are, let's say late blooming and, and who on the market right now, whether they're available or not, I don't know, but who would kind of fit that profile for you guys, like a buy low wing with some, some upside. So I think there's a, a commonality here is, um, and this doesn't, this is, this is something that is sort of hard to predict is part of the breakout is like, these are guys who the possible exception of Middleton, who I, I don't really think counts as a late bloomer. I think he got recognized more when the Bucks got good, but he was kind of a, a, a pretty good all-around offensive player, like pretty reasonably quickly once he got to Milwaukee and got on the floor. Um, but the rest of them are have been guys who haven't have been on teams that were good enough that they didn't they never had the ball in their hands much until they found it until they got to a spot where they were maybe on a worse team. And, and didn't, um, you know, marketing a little bit of a different thing, but even in, in Chicago, he didn't, he didn't really get the ball much, um, when, when he was with the bulls to just jump in there a little bit. It's also a matter of like, some of these dudes had to play out of position, you know, marketing more of a three. And we really kind of didn't start to see that till he went to Cleveland. And even then we we're like, I don't know if he, yeah, I was one of those guys. I don't know if marketing could be a three. Well, you know, he proved me wrong. 
you know, Kyle Kuzma had to play more of the four position because LeBron came to the Lakers and didn't get a chance to really get all the reps you would want from a, a, a three on, on the, the wing and being more of a small forward than a power forward. So I think that's kind of what, what and Kuzma was it. also good before he got traded from the Lakers. No, he, he was, was good. Different, he, was good. he was good in a different way than he Absolutely. was. Absolutely. That, that, that's the player. key. Yeah. He, he found a way to be a contributing player on that court in, in that position, which is good for him. But I think the challenge is the, you know, as to who those next guys are, like, I think that's what you got to look for. And it's kind of what Seth was talking about guys who aren't used much in, or in the right role. And, and can you get traded? You know, like Rory's an interesting guy. Denny's kind of beginning to, to, to get going here a little bit. So I think you, maybe we have to put a pin on that, but there, there's some guys out there, but truth is probably, we won't know about them until they get there. I mean, it's it, it, this is the similar thing to why I've traded tried to trade John Collins to half the league, and I don't know I don't know if we would consider that a breakout because we've kind of already seen it like twenty ten, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although and, and, and since you mentioned that, I mean, I think we do need to to uh, note that you know the indicators of a breakout. Oh, guy, he's averaging twenty a game. I mean, Kelly Oubre is averaging twenty a game, so maybe it doesn't exactly mean what it once did. But not nothing against these guys, and they, these are all great notes for guys who have broken out. But it's not quite the same as well. Mitch Richmond scored twenty three a game. Well, yeah, that was in a that was in a, like a you know a a one hundred and one offensive rating environment with you know five possessions a game slower pace. Uh, it's not not exactly the same thing. Is there any anybody that you guys would like to see? Maybe have a change of scenery. Are there any guys out there you think, if they could get into a better system, might might just improve? What, what about like PJ Washington? I mean, that, that's a dude that I, I man, I I wish the Nuggets could have gotten him. You know, just to give him a small ball five option or something like that. I I think he's had chances with the ball. I think it's going to be someone like I don't know, like like Trey Murphy or something like that. Who someone who's Who's on a on a good team as like the fourth or fifth guy, who's got some who's got some some juice, got some seems like he's got some good feel and and like I don't want to like you know I don't want to wish him onto a onto a, a bad team, but he ends up on a you know he ends up on a team that is not as good as the Pelicans are now, and ends up you know you know having to push his usage into you know the mid to high twenties like that's like Jeremy Grant two point oh yeah. I would say the guy I want to see most in a change of scenery, and he probably doesn't qualify for breakout star or anything like that, but it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. I just don't think he's kind of to what you're saying, Seth. I don't think he gets the ball as much as he could and 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 have the opportunity to play make. Like, I remember what he was doing in Sacramento, and, yo, he could hoop. And it's one of those guys I want to see in a different spot. I don't think Atlanta was a great landing spot for him, and I think it's kind of shown in the past few years. Um, all right. Ne- next question. And, uh, we cannot get through a nerder episode without talking about Nikola Jokic. Uh, a lot of legacy talk. <laughs> uh, this is from still out here. I think I pronounced that right. A lot of legacy talk for Jokic lately. Is he currently closer to being a top 10 center of all time or a top five passer of all time? And guys, if I can just jump in first, uh, I think he's both of those already. And as a matter of fact, the big conversation that we ought to be having about Jokic is, is he going to be a top 
20 player of all time, regardless of position. The guy has a resume already, and what he's doing is pretty unprecedented as as an offensive player. Um, He has to win to get there, but um, I think that we're – this is aiming a little bit low as far as Jokic's legacy. Top goes. top ten centers actually. That's a that's that's pretty. I mean, if you think about it, like it was a we top can 10 rattle or top off five center. I didn't we top, top ten center, top we, five passer. Yeah, we can uh, rattle off like seven. Do you know all feeling? Yeah, well, no. I mean, he. I mean, we can rattle off seven centers, and it's like no, like is Shaq, Kareem, Wilt, you know, Hakeem. Like they, they, Russell, we don't have like, yeah. So that's that's an interesting one. I think top. Yeah, but five that passer. list stops. Hey, that list stops pretty like twenty years ago, fifteen years ago. There, there. You know, there's just not a lot of guys that you would say like. There's nobody in the top ten since Shaq, right? But you who, know, who, who's a big that would would? Is there any? Well, Dwight Howard. I mean, is he a top ten Tim, center. Tim ever? Duncan. If Tim Duncan, depending Tim Duncan, on what if, you, we're yeah. being, if we're being we're being really honest about yeah. what yeah. his actual position was versus yeah. what right. they said it was. You know, like there's a lot of stuff there. And I think the key thing to that top center part of the conversation and is is actually the rim protecting defense. And yes, you, you, every time you talk about it with Jokic, you have to do the caveat. Yes, he's gotten better defensively, but he's not good. Blah, 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 blah. All that so, bullshit. But there's no question he's a top five passer. Oh, yeah. I don't think I think yeah. that's I think. Any, and I think that's an easier call than that. Now, to be the top 20 player that Dave's calling. I'm saying that, will be. Will be then. Then, then he needs to. And we know what he needs to do. Yep. Yep. But like, there's gonna be hard to keep him out of it. No, I think. I mean, I think that like the top five. As you're saying, the top five passer. Like, why? Why did you get to the fifth? Why did you get to the thumb? On right. That? Like, like top one passer is sort of you know a, a discussion we should be having because I mean he's all because he plays center. Like, I think that though he does he does handle the ball some, but he doesn't do like assists are not totally the same thing because a guy who has the ball in his hands just kind of gets assists by being the guy who delivers the package when you run a when you run a play for someone off the ball uh and he kind of i without having any way to prove it i would guess that like those are a lower proportion of his assists than a lot of like the traditional point guards like you know a stockton or or a, a jason kidd or whoever else like got a decent number of assists just having the ball at the top of the floor and kicking it to someone who shot. Yeah. Without actually he passes people open. I mean, yeah. this is a this is one of the things that I you know, when you watch film with him, you can see how he actually changes the <laughs> he changes the position of the guys that he wants to pass the ball to by putting the ball there and then they know to go get it because he's passing uh, he passes them wide open. So, yeah, I I think he might I mean probably the best passer I've ever seen. I mean, if I, you know, I, I don't know if anybody I mean, if, else, I mean, I watched a lot of magic as a kid, but I, yeah. I didn't watch it, you know, the same way. I mean, if you're considering kind of the, the, how did he see that? Like reads, like the, the, there's so many of those, like, I don't, I, he, not he's only invented him. passes. Yeah. That, this is the, like, he, you know, he does like a, a high lie pass cross court through the lane you know, occasionally. And it's just something that yeah. it's kind of audacious. I, I think I may have, 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 have told the story on the show before, but he's these in it. When I, in my time with the, with the box, he was the single offensive player who got an, a collective. Ooh, from, from the front office as we were watching the game. And it was, he it was, he came down the court and like through a no look bounce pass through one of our guys legs 
to a to an open shooter in the corner who then missed it. So you've never seen the play, but it was like like a look away, one handed off the dribble in transition through a guy's legs, perfect in shooting pocket to a guy in the corner, and it, yeah. Okay, and we'll be back with more mailbag questions after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10 minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60 minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Speaker, get his ass. He thinks you're stupid and don't know his ne- your name. Get him. Okay, Jump. and we're back Sorry. with more mailbag questions. Uh, we got a little cat uh, appearance on, on the pod. I, okay, I'm just guys. waiting for the cat to jump all over Seth, folks. Sorry, That's I'm going to derail the pod for a moment. 
This is uh okay from David Savage. Which Wimbledon destination would be the most fun for neutral fans? Now he says OKC to see nope. Chet and Poku, and, and I'm sorry. Listen, Orlando has that lockdown. Don't don't try to do the Orlando thing. You just can't do it. And no, I don't think Oklahoma City would be my first choice. Guys, w- does it surprise you that I would like him to go to San Antonio? No, I mean, I, I only want him to go to San Antonio if we get a guarantee of Pop for five more years, uh, just because I think Pop would have a hell of a time coaching him. But I think the best place I want to see him where I think would be the most fun, and I think uh, uh, we've seen over the years kind of like these young teams really kind of getting together and having a lot of fun and stuff like that. I think you have a real chance of that in Detroit. I think he ends up in Detroit. You have Cade Cunningham when he comes back from the shin injury next season and, and things like that. I think you have uh, Jaden Ivey, who I really like. I think you add Webb Bemyama to the mix. I think it makes his life a little easier because he has guys that can kind of get him the ball and s- situations like that. I think that would be a ton of fun. I think for me, it's it's Detroit, I think would be the most fun situation for him. And just New Orleans, just for the pure fact that it means the disaster for the Lakers. I don't what? know about the like, fit in New Orleans. Though. I don't care about that. Just the comedy and the laugh and the I, content sure I get I'm to have out of that. Idea. That's all I want. I don't care. You just draft Victor Wembanyama no matter what. No, the the uh, my, my like my question is like what what style do we think is most conducive? Like what 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 speed are we talking about getting up and down the court? Or, or do we think is 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 Wembanyama? Uh, yeah. Oh, he goes no. He's up tempo. I mean, I've done a couple of those games on the uh, NBA app. Uh, you know, he, he kind of goes up, he runs, like he runs the floor. He moves like a gazelle, you know, and that stuff. And there's going to be opportunities where he's going to want to be out on the wing. So you're going to need a big man actually to kind of sort of hold the fort down a little bit in terms of offensively and, and crash the glass and stuff like that and allow him to operate on the outside and, and things like that. I think, you know, I think he could play in any space, but it needs to be a team that is willing to get up and down a bit more and not just a slowdown team. So that I mean that's that's an interesting like Detroit kind of can go either way cuz cuz Ivy obviously wants to play real fast and and I don't think Kate Kate is a, averse to fast but Kate is I think a like a more deliberate player than He's risk averse. You know, it's 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 he'll yeah. look at it and and decide it if he can make it if they can he'll he'll calculate in his mind. Yeah. You know, if he can make a play out of that. Yeah, but Miyama, trust me, the calculation goes up a much higher. <laughs> I'm just hoping that that wherever he winds up, it's some it's with a creative coaching staff. Some some team that comes up with with sets that are de- designed with him in mind specifically, not just player X. Because he is so unique. I mean, if he gets a switch, I don't want to see him facing up. Like I want to see, like I want to see designed post ups, forcing switches. You know, um, it, it's almost like why do you know. want to make the skinny tall guy post up? Because he's skinny and tall. I want to yeah, see. So it. why do you want? Why do you like? I want okay, him to so do you, stuff. Listen. So you, you want, want to? You want Jokic him to be take- post up? No, hold on. Hear me out. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, right? Post yeah. up guy. But do you think that he always was this good at posting up? No. So I want Victor Wembanyama to develop those skills because. The thing is, if that becomes a weapon, then all of a sudden you can run a lot of stuff off of that. When when they're having to send double to help when he's posting up, that guy's seven foot five, seven foot six in shoes. You know, uh, he's a pretty good passer. As his game develops, imagine him passing out of the high post. 
I, I think that there's a lot, a lot there. You can use them in a lot of different ways. I think that that like there's a little bit of the Porzingis problem waiting for you there, in that it's going to. I think depending on how he fills out, and I think he he will fill out some, but he's never going to be able to like everyone like anyone defending him is going to be able to get under him, and that's the kind of thing that makes that turns a an eight foot catch into a fourteen foot catch, and that's just a very different situation. I'm just going to prep you now, Dave. Like it's going to be a face up game. That's how he plays in the post. Like that's his, it's going to be more, his post-ups are going to be more like a KD post-up than, than, than a Jokic post-up in that sense. And you know what? At seven, four, seven, five, when he faces up and you send the, you're still sending the double. And, and, and the thing is, he's going to be able to see everything that's coming there. Got vision um, now. Yeah. You know, and he's going to be able to kind of see the, the stuff there and, and his game will develop there. Like his offensive game is mirrors more KD than a big man. Now he's going to have to defend big men on the other end. I don't know, you know, with 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 all of that, and that's where it kind of gets challenging. But he has great sense with the rim and stuff like that. But the most important thing, because we're getting sidetracked here, most important thing, yeah. is don't end up with a team that has no imagination. Right. That's all. Like like I listen. It'll be fun to watch him in Charlotte with Lamelo Ball and running up and down the court. But I don't trust Steve Clifford to really kind of give him a creative offense and 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 put some fun stuff out there for Webb and Miyama. I just want him to go somewhere where there's a creative coach. And I understand I'm saying that during a time when there's a real dearth of those. Although there's not a lot of bad coaches, just straight up bad coaches, which is a good thing. All right, guys. Uh, Zeke Stewart asks, who has been the most impressive role players for you guys this season? And what would you call their role? So I guess if, if you give me a role player, you got to tell me what it is that they do. What, what do you, what would you say you do here? For me, it's Aaron Gordon. I mean, he's at, like, and I called this coming into the year because he was going to slot down, you know, in, in the level of importance on offense. And I think his defensive game has been underrated for a couple of years now, but he's making a living on those cuts from Jokic. He's shooting fewer threes. He's pressing more in transition, obviously still dunking, you know, that, that was not a charge because it was cool. So. It, it, that, that big dunk should have counted. It wasn't a charge. What it would, it wasn't a charge. Yeah. For anyway. So. Aaron Gordon, and you know, um, it, it suits my agenda. So I hope he makes the All Star team because you know I was maybe the only person talking about him preseason. But uh, Aaron Gordon, I, I think his role is is it's one of the more important ones. He's not quite the glue guy because he's too talented for that. Like, but he is a connector offensively. He's a finisher, play finisher offensively, which is a big deal instead of initiator for him because he struggles in that role. And then defensively, he, I mean, he's been a really solid help guy and and you can stick him on a guy a couple possessions here and there and and he can get you stops so what whatever we call that he's a little bit of their swiss army knife but uh you know the you knife blade is really luka really sharp for, what do you think what do you think happens if he guards luka for a series you know it, it's interesting because he's strong enough to hold up that and that's that's the big thing like one of the things that was impressive about kuminga guarding luka a couple weeks back um, was the strength. It's apparent. And, and strong guys tend to do pretty well with Luca, especially because referees are letting you get pretty handsy with Luca out on the perimeter because he probably because he complains too much. So I think Gordon, with his ability to move his feet, I think in a playoff series, he probably does okay about as well as you can do. It's, it, you know, I actually would love to see what that series looks like if Denver commits to not sending the double. If they just say, well, I think. If he beats you, he beats you, but let's make him beat you. I, I think that you, I don't know, that could be a little strategy wrinkle there if they if they run into each other. 
So I think one of the players, maybe it's it's faded a little bit as kind of the the team has, but I think that that this this will shock people, but I think Grant Williams has has really has been a guy who has expanded his game in ways that I don't necessarily think we expected from him. I think there was a certain amount of of you know solid like undersized defensive four can can be a connector can hit a shot like that none, that stuff isn't totally surprising. Uh, his ability to, to he's improved his ability to guard on the perimeter and he's 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 improved his ability to to put the ball on the floor and get places and I think that's been like we we've talked a couple times here about the ability to uh you know the the, the need to have multiple guys who can who can you know dribble pass shoot I mean he just having a guy who can play who can who can always who can play the four uh, and and at times even a small ball five for Boston who can who can do those is in addition to Al Horford, I think that's been a, that was a big part of Boston's early season offensive success. And, you know, they have, they, they've kind of as hot as they were from three at the start of the year, they've been as cold recently. So we'll see where they end up. But I think on balance, he's had a very impressive start to the season for me. Yeah. I think people should go back to listening to our, uh, are the Celtics peaking too early? Sorry. Sneeze mid, mid sentence there. Um, Peaking too early podcast from a few weeks ago. My favorite role player at this point is an actual role player, and it's Tyus Jones. He's been phenomenal for the Grizzlies. I think there's no question about it. I feel like this guy, he just, he is so damn consistent. And I think it's, he comes in, we know what the role, backup jaw, don't screw anything up. But he, he's a starter. He's a starter as far as quality of player, but he's, he plays his role. You're right. I don't think, I actually don't think he's a starter. Really? I think we see this too many times with 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 especially like Monty guards. Morris guys who want to try to. This is a, the exact role he needs to be in, and I'm not trying to be anything more than that. Like this is the perfect spot for him. It's the perfect position to come in, backup job. Sometimes he's on the court with John, shooting almost forty percent from three. But I feel like at a certain point you start to go, all right, he's got to start playing thirty six minutes, starters minutes, and things like that. Now you're starting to look at, like, I feel like then you start to find the the issues and his warts begin to show. I feel like this is kind of the perfect spot. He, I think he's the best pa- backup point guard in the league. And just because you're the best backup point guard in the league, to me, doesn't mean you should be a starter, but it just means you're perfect in your role. And, you know, to steal a phrase from my favorite coach, you know, Doc Rivers, you know, be a star in your role, and that's exactly what he does. Well, I don't know, man. I think he'd be an upgrade in Minnesota. That's exactly where I was going to go. You you swat, you drop him in for, (laughs) I mean, no, because, because Minnesota is already better when Jordan McLaughlin is on the floor and Tyus Jones is like the platinum version of Jordan McLaughlin. Like that's because D'Angelo Russell should come off your bench. That was always the perfect role for D'Angelo Russell. Or just not be on your team if you're trying to win. That was incredibly creepy. Okay, guys, um, (laughs) last question, because we like to hammer the Raptors on this podcast whenever possible. Um, does the poor shooting for the Raptors make you more optimistic that they will figure it out or make you feel like they should begin to think of pivoting into a small tank similar, similar to the Tampa year. Now, listen, uh, we were talking about the fact that they had no one to actually shoot the basketball, uh, June, July, August, September, October, uh, basically the whole summer. Um, so this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. They're not a team that can shoot the basketball. I, I don't think that's going to change. None of these players, to me, are going to just all of a sudden turn into 38, 39% three-point shooters. It's just not who they are. 
and they also um, don't have they don't have an, an agitator right they don't have they don't have and i don't mean like in terms of like you know patrick beverly agitator. Well, they don't have they also don't they, run an offense yeah they, but they, they don't have anyone who like even if they had you know they've got some guys who can shoot but they don't have any they don't have the straw the the, the you know the drink stirrer that can you know get gary uh, gary Trent jr shots that can get fred van vliet open open looks from three that can get the ball to pascal siakam with enough time to get get his his shot off cleanly like they just so they they end up you know kind of bashing their heads against set defenses a lot just because they aren't they are, they don't have a lot of great advantage creation they don't have a coach that puts them in a good offensive positions to begin with like they don't have an offensive structure and i think that's really the honest thing as much as we call nick nurse a genius on the defensive end and there's no question about it He's not done anything with this team in the half-court offense that's really interesting in any way, clever in any way, or creative in any of it. Just hope Pascal Siakam can it can draw a double and find guys. Can just hope guys like, you know, uh Scotty Barnes comes through for you in 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 one-on-one offense. Fred Van Vliet continues to hit shots. Like to me, this is actually a a coaching failure on the on the offensive end. Like I watch this team and I've I've said it for years. Like when I see it, it's just it's it's ridiculous. Like there's no offensive system into everything they put in. And then part of it too, is the front office with this whole, uh, I always mix it up, but it's vision six, nine or six, nine vision or whatever the hell it is. You want a championship by having a legitimate center on your floor. And yes, Marcus all can be a, a, a rare type of player to find, but you just throw completely all of that away to try to go do this. And then I just think you've limited yourself very much offensively. I was for part of that. I was wondering whether you were talking about the Raptors, the Knicks, because it's, I mean, it's, it's a very, same. it's a yeah, it's it's very very similar uh, charges that we we we've laid at the you know that that sort of the the Knicks organization. Yeah, I, I um the the no center thing has just it confuses me. You know, it raises the floor of your defense considerably. It lowers the amount of effort that your team has to put out on defense night in night out during the regular season. Look, if you want to go vision 6-9 during the playoffs in crunch time, I get the vision. But if you want to do vision 6-9 for 82 games, the vision is going to be the lottery. That's what you're going to be seeing, lottery balls, every single year until you find you know yourself one of these players that can actually get it done. I mean, there's a reason that Memphis protects Jaron Jackson by not having him play center for 30 minutes a game or for – the 18 minutes a game until he fouls out playing center in the regular season. Um, you know, and we've we, like, I I've always thought that we've been a little too harsh on Anthony Davis when we've talked about, you know, Oh, he doesn't want to play center. Well, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't want him to play center all regular season either because you know, they're like, yeah, that's probably your best, you know, for this five minute stretch of basketball, that might be the best thing you can do. But over 82 games, the difference in pounding you take, at the five versus the four and versus at the three, you know, is, 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 is considerable. So it's, it, it, I think it's pretty understandable to want to, you know, have some, you know, cushion for your guys over that 82 games. So when, when you get to the point where like the, the, the medium sized ball, the vision six, nine might wreak the most havoc, those guys are all healthy. Because if they're if you're not if they're if, if Pascal Siakam is is you know running on fumes and playing on one leg by the time you get to, you get to you know you get to April May like okay the vision was whatever 
But no, the vision was poor because none of it matters because they also can't shoot. Right? Like, this is the, the frustrating thing is that you can have, oh, they're all 6'9". That's great. But if you can't put the ball through the basket, it doesn't matter. And if you're exhausted from playing defense, it's not going to help you on offense, especially since you have no organization, like bizarre cohesion, magic. no plan. Yeah. No. The, I mean, absolutely. Look, this is why Vision 6'9", it's out. That's 2022. Project 610 is what we're talking about now down in Orlando. That's the vision. You, you got guys like who handle right. the ball, God. guys who can shoot. You've got good like you've got a good defensive base there. You've got bowl bowl. They need Tyus Jones. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. If they could upgrade on Cole Anthony and those guys. All right, that's a good place to wrap up. You you guys got anything else? Um, you know, any sort of conspiracy mag- magnets in the balls, you know? The balls are juiced. Is that where we're at on on the scoring output? No, we've, no, we've no. discussed already. I do have a one more thing out on Jaron Jackson's defense, who does not foul as often as Seth Part now has uh, made it seem. Uh, yeah, no, right. they, when so the, you can you can go back and look, and, and it's basically like when he is on the floor with the center, he fouls at a perfectly reasonable rate. When he is playing the center, he fouls at a, a, a huge rate. This is this came up Centers in the playoffs last year. Centers don't get to take year. plays off on defense. That's the thing is that you're you're always you're always on. You're always having to help, and especially the way that they kind of defend down there. That's how he gets all those blocks, though. Yeah, everybody, forward. go watch my one more thing. That's yeah, all I was trying to do yes. was go plug my one more, one more thing, and both of you it. coming in with points all of a sudden. <laughs> all <laughs> oh, right, what, what, are we pushing back? Is that what we're doing on this show? Never. Uh, push no. Back to the pushback. That's gonna do it for this week, folks. For Seth Partnow and Moda Kill, I'm Dave DeFore. Thanks for listening to Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.